This is the Cultural Fluency Podcast with Angèle Preto, the French coach, that's me. And today in episode number two, I am with Marianne Altman, a professional astrologer with a focus on financial market and cryptocurrencies. And should I say fellow Capricorn Rising and also my personal astrology teacher. So Marianne, welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to I'm, be here. I'm so happy to have you. And actually, I have told a bunch of people that I would interview you for my new podcast, including people at my Toastmasters club who had never heard of you. And when I told them that you're an astrologer and a crypto investor, um, the, the expression on their face uh, was interesting. They were like, well, how does that hold together? <laughs> so I figured as an introduction, maybe you could explain that because perhaps some listeners would also be like, what? Yeah, yeah. So with astrology, I'm focusing on tracking planetary alignments and correlation with what's happening on Earth. And my interest has moved pretty strongly towards the financial side of things. And given that I come from a philosophy background and um, got to know kind of the inner workings of the history of the banking system, I definitely took issue with a lot of those themes and became really interested in crypto. And upon researching the more moral and logistical arguments for crypto, I became really obsessed with crypto trading. And naturally, alongside my astrology, um, that built up a really big interest in trading and investing using astrological principles to help me. So that's a weird, weird uh, timeline and series of events, but I am here now. And so you dropped out of uh, a philosophy major in order to trade magic internet beans for philosophical reasons. Yeah, I did my undergrad degree at New York University, and then I started a graduate PhD program. And after a semester, I literally dropped out to trade and create things with magic internet beans. Uh, yeah. That is quite an interesting uh, background to have, definitely. Uh, you're, also, you're also quite famous for your social media. You have over a million followers on TikTok. Many people discovered you this way, including myself. Uh, you have been very good at also at creating a following on other platforms. Uh, but sometimes it hasn't really worked to your advantage. You, you were attacked by a counseling mob, uh, which I don't know how much of that was part of the influence uh, on you becoming more of a financial astrologer and less of a TikTok influencer. Right. Uh, but it seemed that it all happened at the same time. Yeah, and, it and was... that is a like total like spot on for the topic of this podcast because it, it's cultural fluency right there. It's moving from a more leftist background who does not care about money to understanding the, the financial implications of everything in the world, which is something that the original background just does not even take into account. And your newer background is all about completely obsessed yeah. with it as like the solution to most problems. Yeah, yeah, it was, as weird as it sounds, it truly was just like reading about history that and research that made it really apparent why, not that my family is conservative at all, they're actually fairly like, I consider very libertarian, they're like, be proud of yourself, do whatever you want to do, don't hurt other people, like that kind of thing. It made sense then as I began to learn around like the history of why some more like leftist leaning movements haven't worked at all um mm -hmm. made sense why my family growing up uh like holocaust survivors fleeing that and our good friend like a lot of my good friends are like soviet union post-soviet union like lithuanian or russian uh, uh survivors why they would just like smile and nod when i'd say some things and now they're like y you get it i'm like yes i do i do so definitely was um 
immersing myself in in culture gave me more perspective and more uh, a more grounded understanding of you know why certain cultures have stayed worked haven't that sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah it's something for me i find it scary to see that a lot of young americans uh, are now self-identifying as fraud communists um and also they are they are lefties at the same time i mean i guess lefty communist is kind of the same thing uh, you know that i'm a trans person i'm gender fluid i have transitioned to male i mean a bit of my own complicated background so of course i have been a lot immersed in those kind of movements as well but at the same time i live in austria a country that's literally in the middle of europe where i mean right. i'm french but i've been living in germany and austria for okay. 10 years yeah. and i literally have friends who have either escaped from communism themselves because they're in their early 40s and or late 30s and they live their childhood in the ussr i have friends like that i have a friend who has lived her childhood in romania uh, same same you know same story and or their parents have escaped I and mean, some friends whose parents escaped when communism started and then they were literally born because the parent escaped and and married here and i'm like do these young people have no idea what happens <laughs> literally literally it's very interesting that somehow we've combined social liberation with like economic entrapment on like one side i'm like what is how does this relate like it's very confusing and very strange um because uh, it is uh, yeah yeah it, it's almost like inverted and it's sad that often the um the the freedom oriented like identity side of things is then wrapped up in wanting to take away people's freedoms in a in a lifestyle or like economic sense mm-hmm. and people think that that will um allow for greater like freedom I, yeah yeah it's very strange I, I really hope that people do research and kind of come to the same conclusions because then i'm like this is a mess this is a mess yeah i don't i don't get it and people have really come not everybody of course but a lot of people have come to accuse capitalism for all the evil in the earth and i mean i agree that capitalism is is i don't think it's evil per se but it's very powerful and it has done a really good job of steamrolling every other culture outside of the planet and but it's not a bad thing in and of itself and i was listening to your last podcast interview this morning uh, with the um, astro keys i forgot the cosmic keys yeah yeah exactly it was really really interesting uh what you were saying because I realized by listening to this that actually the issue isn't so much capitalism or communism, but mostly centralization. Yes. And that is what leads to the problem. But if we will have a decentralized system, we could keep a capitalistic approach and it would probably work better. Right. I'm on the exact same page because... I got the page from you, so that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Either capitalism or socialism, you know, I think that it's context dependent. I don't know if I'm the one who came up with this or if I heard from someone else, but the saying like socialism in the family, capitalism in the government kind of makes sense in a way, because the larger that your groups of people get, the more that trying to keep everything equitable ends up being completely unfair. Um, And like the more, for example, like if it was a very, very small environment or very, very small group, it would make sense to have like people more given something proportionally. When you're talking about an entire country, you're going to have people revolting if you try to somehow cut that up in a very, you know, communist socialist way. And I think it's the centralization because when, 
when it's authoritarian instead of more libertarian, I think that that results in crony capitalism and like completely taking advantage of like smaller producers. Yes. But also if it's an authoritarian communist government, I'm even more scared of that because then that's like, you can't even speak. That is, mm -hmm. that's why I think it's interesting that there's been such an anti-capitalism approach, which is more anti-authoritarian without realizing it because what that will come to if we keep authoritarian principles, if we keep centralization but move towards more socialism or communism, that's when, honestly, not that we'll get there, but like North Korea type things emerge mm -hmm. where they don't even realize that they're oppressed. Like they don't, they don't have words for it because it's removed from their language. Um, yeah. There's a really good survivor and uh, defector from North Korea. Her name's Yeonmi Park. Mm -hmm. And she is so intelligent, so articulate. And she left North Korea, came to Columbia University, and ended up saying that where she sees the language headed is scarily similar to things in North Korea, where they remove like the meaning of words and everyone's accusing one another of owning and that that's bad. Um, and so it's interesting that uh, the way that things are moving conveniently towards that in some ways. Yeah, that is, that is so interesting that you bring up the relation between ownership and it being bad because just last week I was having uh, dinner with a friend who grew up in Estonia and so she and she's 41 or something so she grew up literally in the USSR like it's, it's now called Estonia but it was the USSR and she was explaining to me that the main reason according to her but from her firsthand experience why it didn't work is because people were not owning anything and therefore, they weren't caring about anything. And so nothing moved forward because they had no incentive right. uh, to make things move forward. So if that is what we are going towards, like not wanting to own things because we think it will be better, it seems that it has already been tried and not, not worked at all. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it, the yeah. World Economic Forum Great Reset, like they're pretty open about it. And it's like beyond dystopian, in my opinion. I mean, like, if you look up World Economic Forum, the, the Great Reset, it's like mm -hmm. openly members of all these countries are supporting the tagline they're saying is, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And they have videos about this where they show, of course, they use like, like someone, they, they use like someone in the video where like they have like a name that's like ambiguous gender, ambiguous race, like even the person, like you can't even tell their age. And they're like, mm -hmm. this person, does not own anything. They want a bike or a toaster. And it's like, there's no, there's no ownership. You, you can't even, you can't even like, not that it matters, but like they intentionally use someone in the video where you're like, okay, I see what you're trying to do, trying to be like as, as woke or performative as possible. Right. And it's actually like, it, it shook me up to see where this is heading because when we are on a government that is now, I mean, for better or for worse, you can debate over it, handing out helicopter money. Like, it's mm -hmm. a pandemic, I get it, but it's diluting a lot. And like, people are now depending on the government. And there will be probably like central bank digital currencies where they'll just send money to your phone or your wallet. And then now you're like incentivized to socially perform in whatever way is according to the government. Like, it does look like people will not be working or owning anything. And as much as people come at this, I think that capitalism does ask for a certain amount of innovation because there's a competition or kind of an incentive mm -hmm. to prove. And so when you're removing that or putting a damper on it, it does worry me because even in less, I guess, less um, assertive cultures in the United States, like this is still how things are made is like light, yeah. like in 
collectivist communities, you know, the desire to improve. So it does worry me because people mean very well, but they don't quite understand the historical implications. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that it technically couldn't work, but the fact that there is no historical precedent of it working and a certain number of historical precedent of it going really, really wrong is, is worrying. And also, you know, having a person that has no, like, you know, gender, no race, no, I, I can see the appeal of that, but erasing individual identity is not how it works. I know that as a trans person, I mean, I've not, I've not been happy by having my identity denied for 30 years. That is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's think, not how it works. I think there's a lot of strange convenient associations where we don't have to, like, we can be all for people being their own identities without now changing the meanings of words so that we mm -hmm. can't say that, like, I was just seeing, um, I have a friend that still goes to NYU and they got in trouble for saying a uh, woman instead of birthing person or something what? like that. Like in, but, <laughs> but this is insane. Like no trans person would ever, and I mean, I am someone with a uterus and a working system who could potentially give birth and who is legally male and identifies as gender fluid and goes with male pronouns. Right. And I have never heard a trans person going against someone for saying woman, especially not in singular, in plural, it's another matter. Because for example, I'm, I've made it a bit of a specialty of mine to uh, not call out, but explain to my friends what they could do better in their social media posts. Yeah. Uh, because one of my uh, friends recently posted something about um, trigger warning, uh, rape, and especially as it is in the show business uh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with it being perpetrated by powerful men, which is almost always the case, so I have no problem with that, but also listing the, the victims as women or always a woman. And I was like, this is how you could alter slightly your text, yeah. to acknowledge that, that this problem also impacts other people. It's a problem that also runs rampant in LGBT communities. Uh, it's not specific to cisgender yeah. heterosexual women. And the fact that we speak as if it was specific, it raises further those communities. Yeah. Yeah. And there are lots of things that we can do by just slightly adjusting our language and not going as far as saying birthing person, which is insane for starters, it's a mouthful. Like what? I mean, I'm a language learning coach, so I would always try to go towards what is most uh, like explain, like, because it's how the language works. It will, yeah. it will always default to what's easier to say. Right. So, will uh, uh, expression like birthing person has no chance. It will never work. Like, as much as I can be a birthing person and not a woman, I can tell you this is this is doomed. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what I'm seeing is like legitimate, sensical progress in society of like allowing for the empowerment and the better treatment of people that are not just like the standard you know, allowing for people who are non-binary, gender fluid, trans, LGBTQ in any way to let's just like be themselves and have them mm -hmm. be chill and like not attack. And then we come in with things that are unrelated to that, in my opinion. I think that they're making use of that as a way to like confuse people um, because it, it seems like a convenient, convenient removal of individuality so that it keeps people in these collectives as like, you have no way to describe yourself. You're describing yourself as birthing person. You're no longer a woman. And mm -hmm. it just this line of taking legitimate issues and turning them into some strange 
strange confusion. Do you think they do it on purpose? Like you said, like, as a way to confuse people, that sounds like you think they do it on purpose. I think that it's not as if there's one party masterminding, but it's mm -hmm. all very, I think that, for example, uh -huh. like, not that, not that this past year and everything has been intentional, but it's convenient for governments to have more control over people because of there being, you know, a situation in the world that does invite in like government authoritarian controls. So similar to that, I think that, I think that there's a convenience level to taking legitimate social issues and movements that are really beautiful and co-opting them in a way that serves corporations. And that's what does worry me about centralization is when they hop on the activism train, there's an agenda, there's profit. And so it's not a bad thing that they're bringing publicity, but when things get on, get on a large centralized scale in any way, there's always an agenda and like a profit basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also starting to feel that we have a system which is set up in a way that no matter what happens, you, there will always be some recuperation and it will always be awfully convenient, no matter what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's worrisome because we can't really do much. And there's a bit of, I mean, I'm not someone who likes conflict, even though I'm an Aries Stallion, as you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't like conflict. I am. I'm interested in building wealth because it means safety and because yeah. it means health and because it means being able to afford things that I need to be able to keep working in a yeah. free way, like in a way that I won't be oppressed because that has not always been the yeah. case. Yeah. Um, but it is worrisome that no matter what happens, like you never know if your own work is not going to play in a bad dynamic. If, like, do you have a way of I know you're a philosophy uh, student and you know more about it than me. So is there a way that we can avoid having our own work playing against us or against the best interests that we are trying to serve? Because it, it, it's a genuine question. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean by our own work working against us? Well, for example, I'm, I'm creating this podcast and the goal, I mean, it's called Cultural Fluency. The goal is to offer more nuanced perspective. I'm shooting for an hour long conversations with people that are very different, but also that have a certain, there's a red thread. Um, I don't know if you can say that in English, but uh, in all of my uh, episodes, I'm trying to look for people who have a nuanced perspective, who are more spiritual, who do, um, make some efforts to for a better world basically like, i i know it sounds very broad but that's yeah. it's on the episode number two i don't know if it will become more narrow or if it will i i intentionally want it to be broad because i want to avoid having a really big uh, echo chamber situation right. and just it being a space for having nuanced conversation for people because people are craving nuanced conversation in my experience not everybody you have people who are very happy to keep their opinion and just hear the same thing all the time but I, I work with people that are international business owners or people who are diplomats, people who um, work in charities, sometimes across continents, sometimes even across the five continents that, that happens. And those people, they want to hear the nuanced conversation. They don't want, they, if they're wrong, they want to know. And I, I don't think it. Can, I don't think it's a genuine risk that my a work like that can be used against those interests. But I mean, you can always take uh, take words out of out of context, and like it's actually what happened to you. Although I don't know if they did find any kind of words to take out of context. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 
Yeah. It, it does worry me. It worries me too. Actually, almost every single thing that was convenient for people to come after me was a removal of context. For mm -hmm. example, there's a crypto lending platform called Aave, A-A-V-E. Yeah. Um, I think it's out of a, I don't remember if it's Scandinavian country or whatever, but the word means It's an something. unfortunate name. Right. I think that was like, wow, you should have seen one later. Right, right. Because when I was talking about that and like the price, part of people coming after me, accusing me of, you know, being culturally disrespectful was thinking I was pricing African-American vernacular English instead of Ave. So it's, I... right, right. It was so absurd that like, even if I didn't know even if I went to that, I would have the judgment to be like, I must not understand this. Like, I must, I must, like, that seems like a no brainer to me. And I think mm -hmm. part of the reason why what I found are the people that, especially in the finance industry that I've worked with that are like diplomats or work with regulators and at a high level, they're never slinging around a kind of like accusatory level of uh, taking issue okay. with other people. Like, honestly never and I've met people across the spectrum of being self-made coming from nothing like I know someone who was living off of donating blood as a teenager oh. to support themselves to now running like one of the largest publicly traded blockchain companies in the world to people who did grow up well and continued to live off of that and I've seen the, the spectrum and these are not like it is very strange to have, on my own conclusion, come to want to see a world of more freedom and individualism rather than groupthink and like kind of like a communist leaning that I see us going down. Uh, I came to that on my own accord. And then alongside some of these people who are the front facing figures, be accused of being all right or like anywhere. I'm like, I didn't like, like what? Well, I didn't realize that this was a, an alt right opinion uh, to, to say that, you know, I hope that we have freer markets and more ability for people to decentralize wealth. And uh, I invest. don't think it is an alt right opinion, especially no. not in the US. No, no. So <laughs> it, it, it does worry me. And I think the only really way to continue on that positive impact is to actually keep sharing because I've seen people along the journey with me who have also been like, wait, 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 this doesn't line up. Um, because the actual most generous, most, uh, utmost um, nuanced, responsible people are those who understand what it's like to carry a large amount of energy, whether that's mm. a lot of knowledge, even a yes. lot financially. Like, it's not as if people are just able to, even if they're given a lot of money through their family, actually, like, keeping that wealth unless you're hiring someone to manage it is like that takes some level of like energetic like yes. Ooh, that's a lot to manage that is a lot um to think about it's not like you're just given this that's why when people talk about jeff bezos needing to do this or that i'm like he can't exactly liquidate 90 percent of his assets right now this would you, he can't this is this is a misplaced accusation kind of thing um so i think sharing and getting that energy out and out and out will with compassion reach the right people because so many of the people who are so upset and so mob driven, they mean very well, but it's literally just not having dealt with the level of energy of either traveling a ton, encountering a lot of different cultures, having a lot of like financial to have that is a different perspective that doesn't allow for the, the nuance generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, you were sharing how you had people with righty love and life, love and life in their bio literally sending you death threat and i'm like well i have never had love and light in my bio i also have never had sent sent death threat to anyone and i never will 
I don't know if I will put love and light in my bio one day, but I don't think I will send death threats to anyone. I had one ever. today from someone who had said like supreme light worker, and I was joking around on like a. I mean, people who follow my story know for a while that my ongoing, I guess you could say, like mental health issue has just been like suicidal ideation and thinking mm. of that in a like a logical way. And I was speaking about it, and someone was like, "Oh, like I hope you did it. Like peace out, bitch. Like things like that." And like. I get so many, it's like, I, it's, I'm kind of, it's like a troll, like, what do I care? But it, I go to the bio and it's literally like followed by all these people and like, like um, a light worker. And it's, it's interesting how often when we do reach, it, it's, it's kind of the same theme as a lot of the wealthiest, I mean, like easily over a billion net worth people I know look like they, they're homeless or they forget to wear pants and they'll be kicked out of restaurants. Like, they don't even think to put on a show just like how if you're secure in like yourself and your virtues, you don't need to put on a show. Like I, I don't feel the need to like put on a performative show. And so, um, I, unless it's like, you know, the red lipstick and all that's a little, that's a little bit different, but that that's branding. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Right. Right. When people are just creating, I don't even think to do the, um, the going, I don't care to go out to people or keep, I just I, I don't care uh so you have other of... things to do like for one thing like they must have a lot of free time to do that kind of uh, thing to make up the narratives that are actually like I'm like that's impressive like that is impressive to go back on my dad's business records to find some connection to Harvey Weinstein when somehow their their companies cross paths I'm like dude like it's pretty common for funding to cross paths like mm -hmm. my dad doesn't even work in that industry so to find that and then actually we like had to go after that account because it were bring me up my address and things like that but that level yeah. of time it's like i'm sorry man yeah like how do they find the time like they, they must have nothing to do it's it's scary and i mean and i still haven't i mean i guess i will never understand this whole mob thing uh, that happened to you you know back during mercury retrograde i think it was in february this year yeah. i wasn't in your course yet at that time so i didn't know you personally um but uh, people around me knew that i was uh, already a very dedicated follower to you so i had several people reach out being like oh look what's happening to Marin! like apparently she's a that transphobic nazi now and i put that you as a trans person what do you think right. and and so i looked it I, I looked it actually quite in depth like I, I looked through the people who were accusing you and i could not find anything of substance I can't either. I don't even know. Like, I actually don't even know where the trans thing's coming from. I don't I mean, know. What okay, I, I found one thing because I was specifically looking for that. Okay. I found one thing that they criticized. Uh, yeah. You made a TikTok once among all the hundreds of TikToks that you made back then, which, by the way, I absolutely love. That was the reason why I became your fan. It was just so nice to have 14 TikToks a day. I understand it was yeah. not healthy for you, but the fans loved it. So yeah. appreciation yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, and you made one, which was... Um, a someone on a date who was a Pisces and was explaining that they were a Pisces and they were gender fluid or something like that. Gender fluid Pisces, like the association between Pisces and gender yeah. fluid. And people, some people who I assume were cis, whipped that up as you being transphobic because you made a joking comment about a non-binary identity. And I just so happened to be gender fluid and to be a sun Pisces, as you know. And I laughed. It was funny. And honestly... <laughs> Finding that as you being a cisgender heterosexual person and being funny, it's not a small feat. And that they could come after you for that. I was like, this is insane. Like, this okay. is like okay. these people have no idea yeah. what gender fluidity is or like what astrology is or any of that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it was 
it was also kind of in a similar vein when I remember saying that growing up with my grandmother as a Holocaust survivor influenced my decision to go vegan just because I question things. Like, mm-hmm. it's not so much a like, it's always the right answer, but in terms of I want to minimize harm for me, it works for me. My body, it's easy. It, it's no, like, it's, it's just fucking easy for me. Like, whatever. I'm like, you, maybe we should look into, you know, this kind of thing. Somehow that became anti-Semitic. And then I had like my whole Jewish family being like, now everything's anti like no like they were they were because i remember speaking about this my grandmother's funeral and everyone was like oh that's so sweet and then now it's like like obviously it had nothing to do with the actual things it was all like a uh, an excuse to kind of come after someone who did begin to speak out against not understanding why certain cultural sentiments were dominating because similarly i can't understand the mob or the group think i think a mixture of nature and nurture leads me to be a bit more individualistic than collectivist. Um, and, you know, we all have our own ties and whatnot, but it did lead me to um, suddenly be like, why? Well, like I, I was using Pepe memes. I didn't know that they had an aff- affiliation with the all yeah, right at all. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, and so that combined with speaking out against things like, I don't know, I was like, why can't I own rental properties around the world? I don't think I'm oppressing people by wanting a, like a, a studio in Paris. Like I, I'd like a few like studios around. What, what, what's the big deal if I rent them out when I'm not there? And they were like, is it like you betrayed us? Like you want to own it? I was like, now I'm starting to see the, uh, the insanity. So. I'm a bit scared to say this because I'm afraid that some people will come after me for it. But I actually own rental property in Berlin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> because I lived there with my ex-wife and then the relationship went wrong and I had no interest in staying there right. and I rented it out. Right. Like, simple as that, you know? It's a great source of you get to keep the property. You can like this weird, it's very strange actually this, I've seen it all over TikTok. Mm-hmm. The demonization of landowners or landlords, like most landlords are not that like they own like a couple properties and they're more than happy to do the man like this wealthy landowner thing is like very it's not usually like that unless it's a huge management company so it's a bit misguided different from country to country and in fact my tenants are mostly very happy that i'm their landlord because it's very rare to have a private landlord in berlin like 90 percent of the real estate is owned by really big companies yeah. Uh, and it's a very big rental nation. They just, people don't own, they just don't do that. Uh, it's a different culture. And so the remaining 10% are people who own their own home mostly. And it's rare to have a private landlord. And you can, like, if we have a problem, that means I have to reach out to the company that manages the building. Now we're in trouble because they never answer. But right. if, if, if they have a problem that I can solve, it will be solved like that. And it's, it's fascinating to see just how yeah, I mean, I guess you can demonize anything, Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, actually, I began to, the one thing that um, I was very thankful for throughout the, now I'm very thankful for the entire experience because it got me out of an echo chamber that was fueled by TikTok algorithms, which I think mm-hmm. is a lot of the issue is that people don't realize they're going down such a rabbit hole, but that algorithm will do that to you. So it's like incentivized yes. more and more. And I remember saying, because I went to New York University, very very left i i mean almost all my classes had sort of like critical theory underlying them and uh everyone called themselves a leftist i thought this was normal i didn't realize like leftist is very there's a reason why it's leftist it's not moderate it uh so i didn't know i was like of course i'm a leftist like i'm like all of you um 
And once I started to learn about the economic side and didn't stop saying, or I didn't, I, I didn't make an announcement because who cares? I didn't make an announcement that it no longer meant I could qualify as a leftist. I had people coming for me and being like, you know, you cannot own these things. You're like a foe. I was like, what are you saying? And I was always very thankful along. I'm like, thank you for that. Like, thank you for in seeing the contrast between our perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, allowing me to um, reframe, re, I guess, reframe the way I categorize myself. And I think that more and more as we become more polarized, it would be natural that th- there, there are few people that really think the polarity, like most people are fairly grounded, kind of yeah. more, more, more moderate, even if they don't realize it. And so as people begin to now, if I would think of myself a fairly moderate person and considered alt-right, which I literally don't even know, I'm like, I looked into what alt-right is, I'm like, very few people qualify for this, very mm-hmm. few people. Um, I, I get worried about the, um, the words thing, just the way that now words, words mean very little when now, uh, someone who's centrist, moderate is like that, that far, uh, considered. So it's definitely the, the cultural, the words and the polarity. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that, I mean, you know, we have a very similar talk, like 90 degree Capricorn rising, Libra moon, both of us with a bio science stellium. You have a Leo A task one. I have a. Uh, Nary's fourth house one. I think I'm literally learning astrology mostly through, not mostly, but in part through comparing our own charts and where are we similar? Where do we differ? So that's yeah. cool. And I had the exact same evolution as you, like moving away from leftist politics through discovering like how money works. And, yes. and that happened to me um, because of being a trans person. And, like, and the story is insane. I don't know how much I can tell it. I try to like summarize it. Yeah. But I, I was in Germany because my ex-wife is German and I got, I, well, the reason why I was in Germany was two reasons. One, my ex-wife is German and two, I got fired for being trans the first time while I was first living in Vienna. And my then girlfriend was like, oh, this would never happen in Berlin. I just come and everybody will respect you. And it took me exactly five months to get fired again. And, uh, <laughs> and at that point, I was living with her in a room. I had just bought, actually, I bought my flat exactly after I got fired because I had filed an application and the time for it to go through, like I was fired. I just still signed, uh, but there were tenants in that flat and it took them two years and a half to move out. And in those time I had to do something. I had to pay for the flat because it, they weren't paying as much as I needed to pay for the flat. And I had to pay another rent on top um, to, to, for me and, and for my ex-wife. Uh, and you know, sometimes she were, was working, sometimes not. And I had two options. I could either try to beg the government for money, which would be difficult because I had not worked in Germany for a year. And typically that's what you have to do in Europe. And in theory, it's Europe. So you can transfer uh, your documents, but in practice, it almost never works. I don't know a single person has managed to do it. And also I was legally female. I had a different name. I was very traumatized by everything that had happened. And my choice was to either beg the government for money, knowing that it would be long and painful and I would get misgendered. It would hurt my mental health even more. Or I could start a business and I could call myself what I wanted to be called and use the pronouns that I wanted to have and just, you know, tr- be responsible. Like if things go wrong, like that's one thing about me, like that's why I want to be the boss. It's because if things go wrong, I want to be the one who's responsible for it. I don't want to be in a situation to blame someone else. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Uh, but of course I was completely unfit. Well, I didn't know that at the time because I had worked in a startup that was heavily powered by venture capital who never made a single euro. And because the people running that startup were completely incompetent, 
I was like, I can do it too. And I had forgotten that I didn't have millions in venture capital, contrary to them, and that running a business does not consist in throwing money out of the window. So it was a lot harder than I thought. So I had to learn a lot and grow a lot. And I, of course, I learned how money works. And at some point, when you start understanding how money works, you can no longer be a lefty. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, and it's annoying, especially as a trans person, because all other trans people have not had this, well, not all. I mean, there are some exceptional ones. Thank God, I'm planning on having some on this podcast. But most of them, like in Berlin, one of the reasons for trans people to move to Berlin is because there is such a big trans community, but all they do is play video games at school parts. Like, let's be clear. And I have no interest in either video games or parts. Yeah. And then they drink also, but I also have no interest in drinking. And they have terrible housing situations because it's Berlin. And, and eventually what happened is that I was very isolated and I still feel quite isolated. I think this is one of the attempts at uh, feeling connected with people that actually share a lot of this worldview, even if they are not exactly like me, because it's isolating. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but when you're kicked out of a existing echo chamber, like, have you found community in the cryptocurrency stuff or like, yeah, or yeah. do you not need it? I... Yeah, it was a very similar thing to me, very similar process where I wasn't necessarily, it didn't come from hardship, but managing, managing the fact that over the summer when TikTok blew up, I was never, I always knew with my brand integrity, I'm not going to take on random sponsorships and have ads. That just feels very diluting. So it was, I'll see a bunch of clients. So suddenly I had a much, I, I went from being a student and basically just making enough for like, like I didn't need to make that much. I was a yoga teacher. It just covered what I needed for like day-to-day expenses to suddenly having the opportunity and the knowledge that I knew how to make a lot of money when I needed to. And I, I just, I have so much capital that I had to research. How do you, how do you, you don't keep that in a savings account. You have to learn somehow how to keep that going. And then getting into crypto, then the opportunities to increase that by 10, 20, 30 X, like entering during a bull market when I could see that it was only up from here for a little bit was like, get ready. And upon learning that, that's why the, 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 I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know if even some of these politicians know what they're talking about. And I don't claim to have any like authority, but doing so much research on the philosophy of money, the central banking systems, seeing it before my eyes as friends are seeing their savings withering away and they're depending on the government was very eye-opening and fed into why I became so immersed in crypto. And even as I was completely excommunicated, exiled, I mean, went through psychotic meltdown Mm -hmm. from having to be, uh, you know, leaving the astrology community, which is not just moderately left, but I mean like extreme, obviously extremely, extremely left was um, eye-opening because so much of what I was seeing was, I'm fairly moderate. Like I was like, I, 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 like this is now, this is now extreme. Like I have a Libra moon. Like I'm fairly like, I just want people to be able to do their own thing, both in their identity and their money. And these, I have Occam's razor tattooed on me. The simplest, most preferable path is the, the least shit. And leftism, oh my God, the amount of things that the, the economy is supposed to like, like Jesus Christ, like definitely not uh like try your experiments somewhere uh try them again 
we'll see if history changes, I guess. Uh, but in crypto, it was amazing because especially with traveling to different places, it was so many people, they're all weirdos, all so weird. I mean, like the weirdest, the very strange. And they usually had to leave their country or their community because they similarly didn't fit in with either wanting strictness on, it's very strange, I think, that we've somehow on the right coupled strictness and identity to open market. And then on the left, openness and identity with strict market. I'm like, this makes yeah. no sense. You're, you're both a little misguided in my opinion. Um, meeting people who really, really do prioritize just people being able to do their thing. And that's why it's funny that crypto, again, by the left is somehow painted as alt right somehow because I'm like, guys, these these people are not all right. Like for the most part, I mean, there's probably a couple, but it is um, interesting that I, I would find uh, possibly the most, not from random people online, but from like the true contributors in crypto were the most generous I've ever met, like an actual like sense of people that understand this and uh, come from both the inspiring side of wanting like very liberal social values, but um, the more grounded side of realizing how money works in practice and that if you try to pull it from thin air or manipulate things, it usually ends up with people very hurt. Yeah, it's really interesting because what you're saying, what, what I hear is that there is a safer space in people that are considered very, uh, well, definitely not leftist, um, than, than in leftist space. And it's something I was actually reflecting on because, I mean, I'm very, very big on safe spaces. I speak about yes. safe spaces all the time because it's important for learning, for one thing. Like, if you are not in a safe space, you cannot learn. Simple as that because your brain shuts down. It's just how it works. And also for, for me to build a business, I need to be in a safe space where I'm not uh, or to work in general, I need to be in a space where I'm not being fed toxicity. Exactly. And I found that super interesting that one of the safest places I found online was in your astrology course. Yeah. Better than in any like LGBT community or whatever. And it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting for me too, because I think that when there's a, an implied or even a spoken morality it usually like cannibalizes itself and it becomes mm -hmm. very weird formative i think that's yeah. why growing up amidst the christian religion is very uncomfortable for me because like i'm, I'm i now see i'm like an anarchist role i'm like i i, I just mm -hmm. i mean very well and i don't even think to i'm so secure in my own treatment of other people i don't even need to perform and growing up alongside a lot of performativity there and on the flip side having my family be like these Jewish trolls with no so, line in humor. Wait, sorry I mean, to interrupt, but you have one side of your family which is Christian, like your mother's side, and your father's side is Jewish, right? Yeah, and my mother's side never practiced any Christianity, but I went to Christian school, so it was very much so weird. Yeah, yeah, it was very much like private Christian school growing up, very, very politically correct on their end, mm -hmm. and then growing up in a very like Jewish family where there was humor was the way that they coped with things, and so. It was interesting then me becoming um, during college the echo chamber of leftism and me thinking that somehow the comments that my family would get, which were usually in a joking, sarcastic way, were so offensive. I was suddenly so offended by everything. And uh, I wasn't truly offended, but it was this reinforcement of like, you have to say that's bad. Oh, you have to, you have to do that. And I found the safest spaces, things when it's simply just like a for lack of a more technical word, it's chill. Uh, there's no mm -hmm. indication of needing yeah. a moral or identity-based requirement. And with, there's actually a good example of Coinbase as a company. They mm -hmm. have essentially said, 
no political, no activism speak here. And people were very upset. And I remember a past version of myself would have been like, this is white supremacist or like something where you'd, you'd call it being something that is just like, you'd label it, whatever it'd be like, this is, this is whatever. And now I see that it's actually a very compassionate political move to say there will be no discussion of these things, like stick to talking about Coinbase. So yeah, it, um, it, it really depends because people have a hard time identifying what's political and what's not. Yes. And me being a trans person, especially a gender fluid person who has transitioned to male, my existence is political, like I can't help. So right. in some situations, if I even mention my identity, boom, that's a political discussion. Right. So it can feel, um, it depends on whom you're talking to, because again, like we're not talking about politics in your astrology course. I think we have never really talked about politics, already. we do not say that, uh, but I can mention that, okay, this is my situation and that's who I am. But in some situations, and often it's more like with older people. I think with a younger generation, I don't know if it's crypto inside or, or whatever, but I think part of the reason why it works in your class is because the people are mostly younger. If you are very young yourself, and you're, you will be 23, right, when this, uh, uh, when this episode goes out. So probably the people who are younger have done some of the learning. Uh, but if I speak to the average 40, 50 years old, boom, this is politics, I shouldn't mention it, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, so that makes me a bit uncomfortable when people say no politics, but then again, it depends. I think it depends too, I think yeah. that, and, and we have to define even political nowadays because yes. there's like a small political, which is like the parties, and then there's a large political, which is like a, soci uh, a provocative social presence in any way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, um, it, it, it's strange what has been politicized and what hasn't and now humor and words and things are politicized that don't mm -hmm. need to be. And so I think that well-intentional people, if they are very, if they're of an identity that's more sensitive or, um, or uh, they're, they have a personality that's more easily influenced, that they're very likely, even if they're well-intentioned to get caught up in movements that are harmful. Because if we do in states like heavily leftist economic policies, Oh my God, like I'm, yeah, yeah. I think that people will in a hundred years be looking back and thinking like, wow, they really did uh, mobilize a population to, yeah, lead people to own nothing and have the, there's in, in the US, there's a huge, huge fund called BlackRock, which is buying up almost every property. I mean, there will be no homes left and it's no one like, and people are not realizing this. And so similarly, it's these large distractions keep people immobilized. But at the same time, I mean, those are private corporations. So it's not at all the same as if it was owned by the government. Yeah, yeah, so, but they- Yes, people don't realize. Yeah, that's... yeah, it's the fact that people don't realize and that usually these large corporations are giving a lot of money to the government and like government grants and so, um, I've learned about this more and more through crypto. There's, um, it's interesting that the, on the left, they will criticize big corporations, like, you know, the, the money and like the power and not realize that the government that you want to save you is largely the show for these corporations. Mm -hmm. They're the funding and they get their way. So it always goes back to the central banking system and the money yeah. and the fact that- I mean, it's so scary. It's like capitalism at the most extreme and most centralized is like coming together with communism. Yes. Like there, there will be no difference between those two concepts. 
if we if we keep the centralization, centralization will reach to this level where it doesn't matter what political system you have. It's just centralization. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. It is scary because I think these same people will. We could be at like peak. We could be peak communist. I mean, like everything controlled by the government, and they would still be like, "Oh, this person is doing a bit better than me." Capitalism, capitalism, like. It would it, it would just be endless and so what we even have now is not even really capitalism it's socialism with a free market like it's like government true capitalism would just be free market like just mm -hmm. no government help which I, I i really do think would be a lot simpler like it would let businesses fail it would incentivize like treating your workers well because you're not going to get helped if they yes. were things like that it's it's the middle ground that i actually think is worrisome because it tricks people into thinking that it's the the free market aspect when it's the centralization and the authoritarian aspect. Yes. I mean, one one concept that I'm really interested in, it might have some pitfalls, but I haven't found them, is uh, universal basic income. Yeah. Because I think that if we would give to everyone, say, a thousand euros a month, or I don't know, a thousand two hundred dollars a month, or however many they need, and they would be able to live off it, not well, but they would be able to live off it, and everybody would have it regardless, and then you can make some money on top of that then wow that would be a huge incentivization of treating your work as well because they can just leave even if they don't have another job right, right. yeah i am um, that, that would not be a capitalist or like not an extreme capitalist point of view yeah yeah i agree i think i am um, because there's so many different forms of ubi i can't i don't really have like one opinion on one hand what we have seen in the us when there have been checks is especially people that are paid better than they would have been on their job. They just don't yeah. work. And I think it said there was a recent pretty, pretty decently substantial poll that was, um, it was 40% of people that were laid off have no desire to go back to work, even if less. Mm -hmm. So there is a worry where the whole movement of like, I was not designed for labor, like I don't want to work. Um, I see why people are pushing back and saying, you know, we shouldn't work, but also at the bottom line, there is no way to make energy where there is no energy. And whether you want to see it as, you know, you will need to put in some sort of contribution to society in order to be rewarded. Like, I, I can't sugarcoat. I like, there's just no way around having to use the word work in some context, even if it is not for money, like contributing in some way in order to be supported. And that's my worry with UBI is just the basic energy thing of like, if we're dividing up money to give out then the existing contributions are worth less and less. However, I also see the argument of there are situations where there is a need to support people. I, I think even UBI, as long as it is not because of inflation and money printing, and like, if it's already there and, you know, it's some sort of rolling, like, Mm -hmm. yeah i don't have a solution but i think it's a centralization like we can support each other in a way that doesn't require massive manipulation of the banking system but when you get to the core it's just again so convenient for social division because if if your dollar is going down everyone is impacted and everyone's upset mm -hmm. yeah like the idea i mean i guess now it's a bit different because of all the money printing that there has been uh, mm -hmm. but the idea was that in countries here like because these countries are very socialized in a way like the government will never let you die on the street right. like unless you really don't know whom to ask money for yes in, in the u.s like i mean i know some for example trans people who live in berlin who are from the u.s who think it's better to live there because the government won't let you die yeah. uh, but they won't make you happy either 
Um, and, and I find that the, prob the biggest problem here is that as soon as you work, the government takes away your benefits. So you have no incentive to work whatsoever, and especially not if it takes you some effort. Well, what I like about universal UBI, universal basic income, is that it's universal and it's basic, and it will not be taken away from you. So you, have, you can get off your butt and go do something that you genuinely want to do and make money for it, and you won't be punished by the government. While here, literally, we're punishing people for working. It's bad. Yeah, it is. I think that the incentive structure is very strange and um, it does lead me to the more like what I now, I didn't know this was the word for it, but actually like anarchism is just simply minimal state and people are naturally peaceful. Like anarchy is not people rioting in the streets. In fact, that usually comes from a more communist side of the reaction, like it, right. it happens. So I think even like, burning man festival is a good example of how like the barter system and people taking like keeping an eye out for one another often works without the state but i agree that ubi is because it's a fairly new idea um in terms of like how it's being used i'm very open to it i know that like andrew yang um like a politician here has talked about it in a different way that i i'm very curious as to like how it will pan out in the long term well i guess we'll live to see it i mean we're both still quite young you more than me but um, still, you know, 46, not too old. Let's hope the COVID vaccine doesn't kill me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, we are reaching a bit towards the end. I have so many other things that I wanted to ask you about. Maybe I can ask quickly about the, the Polish yeah. passport. Like you, you're traveling a lot. I wanted to ask you about the, the astrocartography and all of that, but people can go find your work on YouTube on that. So uh, I guess they can see that but you're uh, about to have a Polish passport and also a Dubai residency. Uh, you're going to become a European citizen. Welcome to the club. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, you even mentioned that you wanted to make uh, astro uh, courses for using astrology for financial investing. Obviously, I'm looking forward to that a lot because it's very challenging to learn right now as it is. I would love for you to shortcut it for me. That would be amazing. Yeah. I would totally join this course as soon as it exists, but you said something about not being able to do it before you have a Polish passport? Yeah, the United States, I'm now seeing that a lot of their most, their monopoly is on your money, um, just mm -hmm. your energy in the way that no matter where you live in the world, if you have a United States passport, they will tax you. Yes. Um, only the US, South Africa, and now soon Germany are really the major states or countries to do this. And I'm, I, I now see that um, it's just very interesting because it honestly is fairly like left leaning the way that they deal with money here. Uh, yeah. Pretty high. It's interesting because a lot of people yell about, you know, people not paying their taxes, but I mean, the people that I know that make a lot, unless you are on point with your lawyers and your loopholes, which is very few people, the high earners, like if you're a well-paid doctor lawyer, you are, you are like half of your money down the drain, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, it's the same uh, here. Yeah. So I know that by having an EU passport, even though technically, like if I were to live in Poland, um, taxes are better there than they are in the United States, actually. But um, with having a EU passport, I can use that to get into investments that the United States would not let me get into. 
um, which is strange because these things are not harmful. It's random regulations that keep people from yeah. profiting, honestly. It's literally saying that I cannot invest in. Actually, no, um, when I become an accredited investor, which I'm in the process of kind of now, then I, I would actually in the United States, but then they track it and it's, it's just invasive. Uh, so the EU passport and the high possibility that I will either renounce US, I might check out Puerto Rico, see if I like it. I don't think I will will allow me to do more things with um, not so much heat on like pressure on me because when someone's anonymous, they can get away with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and when you have the weight of being in the public eye, you're kind of the poster child to pick up. If you do yes. something and you don't even know that it's illegal, like half of these things aren't even, they're, they're not harmful. You just don't mm -hmm. know that regulation. And so Having an EU passport will allow me to have more uh, diversity, not diversity, but um, opportunity in my investments. And having a UAE residence is very support. They, they really, really treat business as well there. Um, you know, there's other issues with the UAE. Like for me, it's easy to be like, they let women wear anything they want. But then as someone, if you're not straight and you're not paying them a ton of money, they're not going to allow anyone. Like there, there's a reason why, even though you'll see their, um, you know, you'll see people from various different countries. I've never seen a gay couple there. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time there. And so in Poland, no. Yeah. In Poland either. Wow. Wow. And they, are, they have some of the worst uh, LGBT, anti-LGBT laws uh, in Europe. People are very upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. I have very little knowledge about Poland in a social context. I only yeah. know it in the EU passport context. Mm -hmm. But um, with the UAE at least being great for a business context, that will be helpful as well. I think the UAE or Caribbean countries, of course, do your own research, but they treat, it's funny that people who don't manage capital often think it's illegal to be in these. No, 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 it's not. They, they treat businesses very, very well. They're not just on a tax perspective, but like they encourage and incentivize things. And so it is strange. Um, it is, it is strange how in the US the narrative is like it's either illegal or looked down upon often. Whereas like if you're actually managing a lot of capital, it's like this is a no-brainer. Like they're asking me to come here essentially. So it yeah. will open up more opportunities on but both. This is something super interesting. Like people think that the UAE is bad for women and you said it wasn't for you. So I'm now wondering because people say that being trans is illegal over there. So I wonder if it's brainwashing as well or if I genuinely yeah. shouldn't live within that country. Right, right. In, even as a tourist, because that, yeah. that's, that's a legit question for me. Like if, if, you know, if I end up in prison for just entering the country, that would suck. I know quite a few openly gay people that live there. Uh -huh. I have never seen, but then again, I haven't seen any, any, like, I haven't seen any couple really like making out in the street or anything. Like just because you don't, you're not really out in the street. Like it's a very free country. I've had like a photo shoot in lingerie and glass and like no one cares. And uh -huh. I, it's not even like looked down. It's so for, like there's no no one is gonna come get you. I think that there's a misconception with the UAE is like a very very. Mm. Uh, I went there initially because I knew that you cannot slander there. So if I was on UAE premises and anything, and now I have a residence, I would have much more protection there for things that here they're gonna not care about. They don't even have Yelp in the UAE. They know Yelp is a lot of slander, so they like uh -huh. won't even let you review restaurants there. Um, that I've seen on, because my TikTok is like a lot of uh, Middle East, like luxury living. It's like all these, I've mm -hmm. seen quite a few LGBTQ couples posting there in the UAE. I don't know if they're able to openly do that because people look at them and are like, oh, they're contributing so much money or whatever. 
I have had people tell me, but it's always with women too. Oh, it's so oppressive. But I'm like, guys, like I've like, it's, is not, and not at all in the women thing at all. Like I can speak to that to a T. Um, I would say that you would be able to go there. No problem. It would be around if you want to like make out with someone in public, it might, maybe everyone would have an issue. I wouldn't do that. Like honestly, my, my number one concern is the body scan because when I go for body scans, they flag me every single time. Yeah. So I could get caught at the very moment that I try to enter the country. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would do research. I would, because I know several pretty flamboyant, very gaudy gay men who like, they're very, very flamboyant. But it might be because they're wearing so much design and people are like, okay, this person is contributing to the economy and we're not. But I don't get the feeling that I've never even been in a situation where I even know how an identity would be relevant. But I think I'm a bit naive. I'm never going to get flagged in an airport. I'm this big. They're like letter through. So um, yeah. I'm not knowing to look out for that. But I've never had anyone with a bad situation unless it's drugs. All right. Yeah, I don't do drugs. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll do the research. I mean, it's possible that there are trans people over there, but you just don't see them. Because most of the time, I mean, they're walking, they're, when I walk around, people don't know. No. It's, yeah. it's just if I go for a body scan that something happens. And most of the time, the TSA agent or whatever equivalent of that country does not realize that it is me being trans as opposed to the body scan mal- malfunctioning, which is fascinating. They will think there was something wrong with the machine. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I get yeah. pat down by a guy very intensely. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't understand what's going on. Anyway, go for it. So maybe it would be the same in the UAE, but if yeah. there's any risk that, you know, I would be concerned. The upside to anyone living in the UAE is the safety overall, uh, because mm-hmm. they just will really, really protect. Like they have a zero tolerance policy on it. Sort of like just nonsense, I guess you could say. Like, there's a reason why I like it because you cannot be drunk in the street. Mm-hmm. That would be like, I, you don't even see it. Like they must quickly move you away or whatever. Or something right. like that. Uh, but also that it's um, like when you land there, you can just tell that they really, the service and like the level of people, you cannot live there unless you immigrated there. No one is from Dubai unless they're like 15. Like you had mm-hmm. to go there. And so there's everyone is like, has worked or has done something to get there. And I just resonated so much with it off the bat that I was shocked at some of the things that people assume. But I understand if you've only been to Saudi Arabia, like that's very different. So. Right, right. That makes sense. All right. Well, that's good to know. I, I know that you have to run, so we're going to have to break this up. This was a fascinating conversation. I loved having it. It was amazing. So thank you so much, Marin, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was a really great conversation. Yes. Yeah, happy to see how many, how much of our path and our astrology has aligned from like a very similar perspective. Yeah, I look forward to, to seeing, you know, what will happen with you also in the future and with myself and see how much of the charts keep panning out together or keep being different. I'm glad that I don't have the kind of issues that you've had, although I had my own, I guess the difference between the Leo 8th house stadium and the 4th house Aries stadium really plays out. Yeah. Uh, and like that your issues are very public. My issues are very private. so yeah but yeah thank you so much for being here to uh, being here with me uh and yeah if you aren't following Marin yet well you definitely should you're very you have seen how intelligent she is and how like nuanced and articulate she is as explaining really challenging and difficult issues so yeah definitely follow her uh she also makes super accurate horoscopes that i watch every single month and i send them to my friends and like you are leo rising here's yours Leo Libra rising, here's yours. So yeah, she is right most of the time. You're right most of the time, Erin. 
So your track record is absolutely impressive. We haven't spoken about the election, but that was so spot mm -hmm. on. And yeah, so you can follow Marin on YouTube, uh, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, other places. Yeah, any social media. My username is Marin Altman, so you can find me everywhere. Right. You can join us in the astrology course. She's an amazing teacher if you want. So that was super cool. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode until the end. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on the podcast platform that you use because that would really help uh, find more listeners and more amazing guests like Marin. So please stay tuned for the next episode and take care.